This is episode 7 of An Uncommon Cereal, Paco's Secret Recipe, Part 2. The converted RV taco stand smelled of rancid frying oil, but it was nice to have some time to herself. After the lunch rush, Nick sat on the back counter with her head against the freezer. She was moments away from drifting off when something slammed into the side of the RV and a voice shouted, Chimichanga! Nix fell off the counter. A girl about her age with stringy red hair giggled as if she'd just done something clever. She wore bright mismatched clothes and a pair of large sunglasses that covered the top half of her face. Did I scare ya? The girl asked, barely able to speak through her fits of laughter. Priceless! <laughs> Nix abruptly understood Leaf's anger at being startled the night before. Whoever this girl was, Nix felt a compelling urge to slam the sliding shutter down on her fingers. You surprised me, yes. Can I take your order? Of course, the girl began in an exaggerated low voice. I'll take an apron and one of those funny hats. Believe me, I'd give you mine if I could. Dibble had ordered caps with fabric tacos sewn into the top, and they were constantly flopping from side to side. It was like going all day with a bird flapping on your head. I've come from the sunny land of Florida, the girl continued. Great orange juice, by the way. She spoke in a forced rhythm, as if she were an amateur actor reading her lines. We moved to this quaint village last month. I saw a flyer seeking a young student to clean and do odd jobs. And here I am. End of my epic story. Oh, you're here to work? Mr. Dibble said something about me training, but I didn't. Guess so, she answered, and then snorted twice. The snorting caught Nick's off guard. This was the sound the boys made, along with the elephant trumpeting, when she passed in the hall. But this girl seemed to be snorting to draw attention to herself. Welcome to Paco's Tacos team, I guess. I'm Nix. Come on back and I'll find you a hat and apron. The girl's name was Beryl. But Nix didn't find that out for at least an hour because the girl insisted on making her guess. She was a year behind Nix in school and seemed intent on embarrassing herself at every opportunity. But even with Beryl's bizarre personality, it was nice to have some company. Enthusiasm in general was definitely a change of pace. After your shift, you can leave your apron here unless you're taking it home to wash it. Beryl nodded and sucked her thumb. It was a moment before Nix found her train of thought again. Don't wash the hat. I tried it once, and Mr. Dibble took the value out of my pay. Are you a mud wrestler? Nick stared for a moment. Why, are you? Beryl put a hand in front of her mouth and pretended to laugh. I ask because you've got a bunch of dirt in your hair and on your neck. Nix gave her a stiff smile. I was playing in the rain last night, and I didn't have time to shower. Beryl laughed so loud, Nix was sure they heard it across the river in Midland. Don't change the flypaper unless it has completely lost its stickiness. Mr. Dibble wants us to scrape the dead flies off with a plastic spoon. Make sure you wash the spoon before putting it back in the utensil holder. If he finds it in the trash, he'll accuse you of eating his food. That's so weird that he goes through the garbage. Beryl rocked her head from side to side, her thumb once again attached to her teeth. The tacos flopped back and forth. Nick stared. Was she drunk? Or perhaps it was something more serious. She'd never seen anyone on drugs, but she couldn't imagine them acting much different. She decided the best course of action was to smile and continue the tour. 
This is where we keep the sour cream gun. Sour cream gun? Beryl looked like she'd just met Santa Claus. She breathlessly watched as Nix explained how it worked. Can I try? As soon as we get a customer, I'll ring up the order and let you make it. Beryl eyed the sour cream gun. If we get a customer. She moved her sunglasses like she was about to take them off, but only readjusted them. Nix realized she hadn't taken them off since she'd arrived. Is it usually this dead around here? Nix nodded. Ever since Nifty Fifties opened down the street. Well, why didn't Mr. Dilbert move this hunk of burning love somewhere else? It has wheels, don't it? I asked. He said it would be too expensive. Actually, he had replied rather crossly that for Nix's information, the only other land he owned was way up the hill in the woods, hardly the place for a taco stand. Nix was glad she didn't try to explain this all to Beryl, as she had already found the fryer basket and was swinging it around like a greasy sword. The day turned into evening, and a symphony of crickets replaced the chirping birds. Beryl graduated training, took three orders, and after several attempts, even mastered the art of applying sour cream. Nix was conflicted. It was nice to not feel threatened by her new co-worker, but watching her flit around all day like a hyperactive pixie was a whole new level of awkward. Nix had hoped the wackiness would wear off after a few hours. If anything, she'd gotten more creative about embarrassing herself and anyone who happened to be close by. What does carne molida de caballo mean? Beryl pointed to one of the boxes in the freezer. For a moment, Nix debated telling her Paco's big secret, but decided not to overwhelm her on the first day. Taco meat. It wasn't a direct translation, but close enough. The box did contain meat, and it did go into the tacos. She just left out the part about it being made from Mexican horses. Actually, Nix had no idea which country Dibble went for his equine flesh, but the fact that there was no nutritional facts information to be found was enough to raise suspicions about its legality. Question numero dos, Beryl said, in what Nix could only assume was supposed to be a Latino accent. Seen any houses for sale? The question was so normal, Nix found it a little unsettling. Not really. Nix hadn't seen any realtor signs around Jordan's neighborhood lately, and for some unfathomable reason, the trailer park had a waiting list. We're renting now, Beryl said, but my parents are looking to buy. There's only one I can think of, but you wouldn't want to live there, trust me. Is it a one-room shack or something? It's actually one of the biggest houses in Woods Cross. So it's haunted? Nick shrugged. Maybe. Beryl mimed drowning. You're losing me here. I'm going under. Make you a deal, Nick said. If we can talk and work, I'll tell you the whole freaky story. We've got this entire freezer to rotate, and Dibble will dock us if we don't get it done. Beryl gave two enthusiastic thumbs up, her nose, and began stacking boxes onto the counter. Nix took a minute to organize the different versions she'd heard over the years. One thing's for sure, Mr. Abendroth beat his wife and son. There are police records to prove it. Beryl rubbed her gloved hands together. You've seen them? No, but my best friend's dad is police sergeant. Anyway, the whole town knew when Mr. Abendroth came home drunk. His family would visit the doctor for falling down the stairs or running into a door. The kids' teachers were trying to get the guy locked up for good, but before anyone could do anything, they disappeared. The teachers? The Abendroths. First the mom and son disappeared. Mr. Abendroth filed missing persons reports. A few days later, he disappeared too. No one has heard from any of them since. 
Why would that make people want to buy the house? Beryl asked, clearly irritated by the lack of a climax. Well, the weird thing is that the Abendroths didn't take anything with them. Jewelry, furniture, clothes. It was like they went on vacation. Eventually, the guy who owned the house tried to rent it out again, but no one wanted to be living there when the Abendroths came back to claim their stuff. Beryl sighed as if the story was getting lamer by the minute. Almost everyone thinks the mom and son ran off so Mr. Abendroth couldn't hurt them anymore. Beryl seemed to perk up. And he left to hunt them? Maybe. But if you say Mrs. Abendroth and her son didn't run away at all, they're still in the house somewhere, their bodies hidden under the floorboards or the walls, and that Mr. Abendroth didn't leave to find his family. He left before the police did. I'd still like to live there. I'd put a big sign up that said, Finders Keepers, crazy guy. The sound of a motor approached. Beryl monkey slapped the top of her head at the prospect of another customer. I'll take this one if you want to finish up with the freezer, Nick said. Her hands were a few degrees away from frostbite since Beryl was wearing the only pair of gloves. Sounds taco supremely horrific. Nix chuckled to relieve some of the awkward social tension Beryl seemed so fond of. A wide man dismounted a tiny motor scooter. It's my birthday, he said with slightly slurred speech. He was in his thirties and had a full head of dark curly hair that framed his chubby face and made him look like an enormous toddler. Happy birthday. Nix regretted not bringing Beryl with her. The man reached into his pocket and Nix took a step back. He pulled out a few wadded bills and set them on the counter. He stared intently at Nix. I'm Felix. She thought it was rude if she didn't introduce herself, but she wasn't ready to give this guy her real name. I'm Rachel. You're pretty, and I like your eyes. In any other situation, Nix would have been flattered. Her stone blue, almond shaped eyes were the only thing that kept her from being completely hideous, and she always loved when someone mentioned them. But having a large, creepy man slur the compliment as he dug a finger into his ear was not doing anything for her self-esteem. She was about to call Beryl for backup when she realized Felix wasn't drunk. He had a disability. Thank you. I like your scooter. Felix's smile widened. It was the kind of smile that grown men didn't usually show in public for fear of looking less manly. Nix's heart melted. Felix yanked the finger out of his ear and pointed it to the scooter. My brother said he'd buy me it if I moved out of his house. Wow, so you live on your own and you can go anywhere you want? I'm jealous. It was strange talking to an adult like he was her age. Felix spun in a circle. My brother gave me three dollars for my birthday, and I've always wanted to get that nacho thingy with the big bowl you can eat. Some generous brother. Now Nix had to be the one to tell him it wasn't enough. At 529... The nacho salad bowl was the most expensive item on the menu, but then a thought occurred to her. That'll be three dollars. Felix pushed the money across the counter. Thanks, Rachel. My friends call me Nix. Felix wrinkled his face in exaggerated confusion. You can call me Nix too, since we're friends. The large man beamed. Nix couldn't help grinning. Behind the register, she quickly pulled the five dollar bill out of her pocket and added it to his crumpled bills. She finished the transaction and subtly slid the change from the register back into her jeans. He hadn't seemed to notice. Okay, that'll be ready in a second. She went into the back area to find Beryl sitting on the counter, swinging her legs, still wearing her sunglasses. Nix was beginning to wonder if she had some sort of mutilated eye or something. You ready for a big order? 
Farrell nodded, somehow looking more awkward than usual. We're going to make a nacho salad bowl. Nix tried to make it sound as exciting as possible. She knew what it was like on the first day. The more you found out about Paco's tacos, the more you wished you were old enough to work at the video rental place two blocks over. When the nachos were finished and topped with extra cheese, Beryl presented them to Felix with a rather masochistic rendition of Slappy Birthday. As Felix rode off clutching his prize, Nix felt happier than she had all summer. And yet she couldn't help being a little worried. With two dollars in change in her pocket, she was even further away from affording cat shampoo and the kitties would need bathing in a week. She'd have to talk to Dibble the next time she saw him. Maybe now that she was training, he really would give her a raise. At the very least, she could get her pay for last month. He was already two weeks late. Those nachos look good, Beryl said. I'm starting to get hungry. Me too. Nix's stomach hurt so badly, even a jar of baby food sounded delicious. She looked at her bare wrist again out of habit, then at the clock on the register. 7.50. They could get away with closing ten minutes early. Nix slid the window closed. Congratulations, Beryl. You survived your first day. Whoopee! Hollered Beryl, while waving her hands in mock excitement. I survived! Oh, wait! Nix watched patiently as Beryl clutched her chest and fell to the floor, convulsing. After living through the last four hours of the barrel show, Nix knew better than to interrupt a performance. Donate my check to Toys for Tots, Beryl said, tongue lolling out. I'm not sure I'd lay on that floor, Nix said. We do clean it occasionally, but if you saw the mop, you'd probably have nightmares. Beryl scrambled up and wiped the hair from her red face. So can we go now? As soon as we clean up and restock. Mr. Dibble gets pretty nasty if it's not perfect when he comes in to open. Beryl sighed at twice the typical volume. <sighs> How long does that take? About an hour, maybe less since there are two of us and it hasn't been busy. Let's hurry then. I've got 12 hamsters calling my name. Nix wanted to say it would probably go faster without so much convulsing on the ground, but she resisted. Tater! Beryl called a half hour later as she rode off on her bike. Nix waved, locked the trailer door, and slid the key up under the tire well. The dark trees rustled as Nix set off along the street. Her mother didn't expect her home until 9.30. Even with walking time, that meant she still had 45 minutes to kill. Three quarters of an hour. Nix knew exactly what she was going to do with them.